This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Give thanks always and forever and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, we ask that you would take your word, that you would plant it deep into the reservoirs of our souls, Lord, that you would allow them to sprout and bear much fruit to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we went through a series in Acts, and in between Acts and Ephesians, we did this, this series on Proverbs, right? Um, and I don't remember how many of you guys was there, but while we was going through Proverbs, we seen this pattern where there was this this constant comparison to the foolish person and the wise person. Foolish people, they do these type of things, and, and wise people, they do that. Solomon was, was walking and talking with his son and trying to teach his son what it looks like to live as a wise person on earth. And he was making these comparisons to the fool and the wise person. And we start this, this part off right here. And, and, and it has that same feel, the same feel of, of, of a father wanting his kids, Paul is writing to, to the church, a father wanting his kids to know the difference between foolish living and wise living. And he says in 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now you got to remember that um, he's coming off of this stent of talking about, don't do this, don't do that. Put off this and put on that, and, and, and don't do this, don't do that. This is sort of, sort of this feel of, put off these things right here that are foolish, but, but put on this. This is, this is wisdom. And, 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 and he talks about sexual immorality, then he, he talks about how we communicate with one another, and he wants them to understand wisdom. And he's saying here, a foolish person walks in the will of what he feels. A wise person discerns the will of the Lord. Like Ephesians, we live in a, in a culture that idolizes feelings, how we feel. We put, the, we put a soul far up and we we believe the lie that says unless i go with what i feel i'm not being authentic i'm not being true to myself unless i go with what i feel i don't want to be fake i want to be real 
I want to be true to myself. But the, the problem with this logic is you don't really know who your true self is. And you need God to reveal it to you. That's the problem, problem with this, this, this logic. You see, when you're disconnected from God, you're disconnected from the source of your true self. And we've been so disconnected for so long. Who we are has been, has been so far gone. And, and God is trying to let you see who you really are. This is the reality for the non-believer. And the believer as well. See, in John, 1 John 3 and 2, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. We're his children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. And it shows this thing, like I'm still trying to figure this thing out here. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Why? Because we shall see him as he is. We don't, even as believers, we don't really see Christ as he is yet. But he knows that, man, in this journey, as I get closer to him and get to the point where I can actually see who he is, I'll get a glimpse of who I really am. So the problem is, we don't really know who we really are yet. God is, is, is rehumanizing us in Christ. It's called the process of sanctification. In the meanwhile, we wrestle with this heart of ours, right? When this heart is, is sinful and can manufacture sinful feelings and desires, even if they don't feel like sin. Thus, just because you, you feel like you want to do something, doesn't mean that you should. Just because it feels good doesn't mean that it is. Ah, don't trust this heart. The Bible will tell you, don't trust that heart of yours. It's deceitful. I'm telling you, like, you may live your whole life with feelings that you deny and never pursue because it's not in the will of the Lord. And then on the flip side, there are things we, we don't do because we don't feel like it and we think it's inauthentic to still do it. I don't want to be fake. Like, imagine, imagine you had a child, right? And you says, child of mine, I would like you to go ahead and do the dishes. And child of mine says, man, I would. <laughs> I sort of don't feel like doing it. And I don't, I want to be, I don't want to be inauthentic. You don't want me to be fake, do you? <laughs> I, I want it to just come from my heart. <laughs> and at that moment, I say, child of mine, I want you to do my will, which is, Clean the dishes. 
even if you don't feel like doing it. Some nerves. The thing here is, Paul is talking to them. He says, listen, don't be foolish. I want you to understand the will of God. And when your feelings don't line up with his will, move out of obedience. Let that carry you because time and time and time and time again, your feelings will not line up with his will. But since I understand his will, I move out of obedience. His will says, go here. My feeling says, go here. That looks so attractive. It makes sense. Everything seems to line up. But follow his will. Know his will. Understand his will. <laughs> mm. The question is, how do you discern his will, though? Okay, then. Well, how do I know this? How do I know this well? He's, he's talking to them. Man, I feel that, they, that, that as Paul is talking to them, he's asking so many questions that are unasked, but he knows need to be answered. And he, he's going through this. And, and, and then at 18, he says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. You see, if you truly desire to understand the will of God, then you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. How do I understand this will? Be filled with the Spirit. Listen, I want to I I walk with me here. I want you guys to see what's going on here because we've been walking through this. And there was a time inside this letter to them that he, he was writing to them and he said, listen, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness. So there's a whole other level of things that's going on. So I want you to follow me here. We're talking about being filled with the Spirit. I want you to follow me in Matthew 8 and 28. Jesus is about to cast uh, uh, demons out of this man, right? And, this, and, and legions of demons out of this, this man. And, and there are a group of pigs nearby. And, 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 and the demons, they, they, they see Jesus here. The demons are panicking. And the demons, they, they ask Jesus a question. And he's like, when you cast us out, can you, can you not just cast us out into, the, into those pigs over there? Can you cast us into something? Can you cast us into those pigs? And he does it. He lets them go in the pigs. The pigs run off the cliff. I'm going somewhere with this. Further on in Matthew chapter 12 and, and, and 45, Jesus is speaking to some Pharisees. And he's talking to them about an unclean spirit that was seeking somewhere to go. And he uses this example of this man that was, that was set free from a demon, right? Then he starts talking about the actions of the demon. He says, and the demon leaves uh, looking for somewhere to go. 
not finding any rest, he comes back to his previous home. He word, not finding any rest. He comes back to his previous home and finds it cleaned up, organized, and empty. Are we talking about being filled here? So he brings seven more demons with them to fill the empty space. You see, spirits are restless until they find a space to fill. You look at the first demon, they were like, don't, don't cast this out into nothing. At least cast this into those pigs. And this, and this spirit was like wandering and wandering and wandering. And he said he found no rest. Came back and was like, ah, it's empty and it's clean. I'm, I'm going inside of here. I'm going to fill this space. God not only covers us, but he fills us, right? Here's the deal. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. We were created to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's what we was created for. God makes us. He was unified with us, and we was in fellowship with him and stuff, and we was created to be filled with the Spirit. And when we aren't, we fill a void. Because we was created to be. Even when we don't understand why we fill the void. So instinctively, we seek to fill the void. A void that's, that's meant to be filled with God. So anything we seek to, to fill the void with, it's trying to stand in the shoes of God. It's trying to imitate God. Thus becomes an idol. Because you're trying to use this thing to fill a space that's meant for the spirit of God. Huh. But let me connect what I'm saying here. So you have all these restless spirits seeking to fill the void of emptiness inside of you, thus presenting you with every single option other than God. Take this. Take that. No, no, fill it with this. Fill it with that. No, turn this on. Turn that on. Because they're seeking to fill you. That's what they do. So they're offering every single option. And the moment you indulge, you eat up the fruit. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, and wine was a big deal and for them. It's a big deal for us, but the primary point isn't even the wine. I want you to be, to be able to interchange this with every single thing that applies. Don't just think wine. Go bigger. When someone is drunk, they become under the control and influence of something. It's controlling you. It's influencing your decisions. Why? Because it fills them. And I'm not just talking about your stomach is full. Like, it fills you. Your mind is on it. Your thoughts is on it. You are so engaged. You're filled. And that could be anything from outside substances to your own self and pride. Like, he's just so filled. Filled on his pride. 
That can even be your own thoughts and ideas, even good ones. That's why he says to be sober-minded because you don't want to be drunk off of an idea. And the idea, even if it's a good one, that's what's leading the show here, not the Spirit of God. (laughs) So be sober-minded, grounded, even in your good ideas. Sober-minded. But Paul says instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So you would be under the control and influence of the Spirit. How do I do that then? How? Tell me. Tell me how. Tell me how to be filled with the Spirit. All right. Explain that to me. If that's the case, then just tell me how do I do it. Give me the instructions. Be filled with the Spirit. Notice he doesn't say, fill yourself with the Spirit. Notice he doesn't say, hey, as opposed to getting drunk, go get filled. He says, be filled. To be is to exist. Exist as one just filled by the Spirit of God. You see, we start thinking about what I have to do extra to get them. What do I have to do extra to get the Spirit of God inside of my life? You start thinking like that. Give me the extra things I need to do. Probably I need to run around longer, scream longer, do this, do that. I'm going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Then I'll get filled. And a lot of things that, that people think they need to do to get him are really things that people do because they have him. So in our effort to, to wrap our minds around the nature of God, what we've done is we've broken them down into sections and compartmentalized them. All right, here's a, one compartment for the Father, one compartment for the Son, and one compartment for the Spirit. And we will theologically acknowledge that he is one God, but functionally treat him like three different disconnected gods. Like, as if when I received Jesus, the Father and the Spirit was not a part of that. So some of us, like, when we pray, we only pray Jesus, 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 Jesus. We rarely pray straight to the Father like Daddy, Abba. We just say Jesus, Jesus, as if, well, I got a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the one that got a relationship with the Father. Or, or, or I got Jesus. Tell me what I need to do to get the Spirit. Like, well, hold on. And we abandon this holistic view of God where you acknowledge all of his personalities but know that it's one God. This is a dysfunctional understanding of God. Disjointed. Being able to see all personalities and aspects of him and know that it's one and receive them all in. And we become filled with the Spirit When we surrender all to him, 
when we get free, sovereign reign to the Spirit in every aspect of our lives, when we don't just say, all right, Holy Spirit, fix this aspect. I got this aspect until I hand it over to you. And there's a part over here. Go ahead and have that whole room. Instead, being filled is like, Lord, take all of this. Live in every single part of it, every single aspect of my life, my mind, my heart, Lord. It's not that I got it all together. I need you in all parts. I want you to flow like a river filling every single part. None of it is put to the side for me to reserve to whenever I feel like giving it over. With that in mind, what does this look like? I want to say this. Leave space for the Spirit. Leave space for the Spirit. Anticipate Him. Anticipate His work. You know, like when your paycheck is about to come and you leave space to go ahead and get that money because you are anticipating it. See, if you want to be controlled and influenced by the Spirit of God, you have to leave space for the Spirit. Again, remember, this is spiritual warfare going on, so the spirit of this age doesn't want you to leave space for the spirit. Instead, he he, he seeks to to, to fill everything. Busyness, busyness, busyness. Oh, food. Oh, Netflix. Go ahead and binge. Fill you with pleasure. Go ahead and take that. And you're so used to just being filled off of every single thing else. You don't know how to leave space for the spirit. Like moments of just solitude and reflection. Like looking for confirmation before moving forward, even though everything looked like it adds up. Because the devil can make everything look like it adds up. But you don't leave space, Lord, confirmed though. There's no space, I'm going. Like, moments of silence in prayer. Like, I just got to say everything. And I keep talking, I keep talking, Lord, do this, do that. Oh, it was so deep of how I prayed. But I don't spend no time just sitting in silence, listening. Lord, speak to me. So I get so used to knowing my own voice and have no understanding of how his voice sounds like because I fill the space with me and everything else. Even in Acts, when the Holy Spirit filled the disciples, they were in the upper room following the instructions of Jesus. Jesus was, he left and, and he, he was about to leave and he gave some, some instructions and he says, Wait. Don't go, don't leave yet. Don't go about doing what you need to do. Wait. So they lingered. They lingered in the upper room. They fellowship with one another. They prayed and they lingered and lingered and waited, leaving space for the Spirit. You see, when we, the people of God, be filled with the Spirit, 
It creates a cultural atmosphere that displays the kingdom of God to others. He does that. He does that. Paul, he he describes this atmosphere in verses 19 and 20. Just trying to put, put words to it. He's describing it. He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, this is that culture right here. See, the culture of the kingdom of God is what's reflected when we live together as the people of God, united and submitted to the spirit of God. That's what's seen. A culture is what you see when a group of persons live out what they believe together. When they live into their loves together, you'll start to see these things that are facets of the culture, indicative of the culture. It's like if I say, man, describe hip-hop culture. Those that are in it will be able to describe some valid things like, man, book bags and beats and stuff. And then and those that aren't in it can stand from far and say, but I see these things right here too. Because they're seeing these things. And you can do the same thing with, with, with any kind of culture, whether you are part of it or not. If you've been around it and you've seen it, you can describe these facets of it. See, the people of God... We're always called to put the culture of the kingdom on display. In the Old Testament, he told them to be a light to the nations. Even though the nations weren't being made parts of the family just yet, still be a light to them. So what would these nations see as they were strategically placed amongst these nations? These nations would see the culture of them living together, loving their God, and it would be a light to them. In the New Testament, he, he says, Jesus says, you are the light of the world, a city on the hill. And people would see the light that emanates from the culture of the city and be drawn in and wonder, yo, what about them? Even in Acts 2, people are seeing how the, the saints are living together with one another. They're seeing this culture of love. And it says thousands was being drawn in by what they were seeing. You see, we receive Christ, and when we receive Christ, we are caught up in a culture that emanates from the harmonious relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and we're drawn into the midst of that. That's why they're all mentioned here. Be filled with the Spirit. You'll start singing spiritual songs, giving thanks to the Father in the name of Jesus. And this is this culture that we are drawn into. This is the only place where Paul tries to give people a, a, a handle on what this culture is. In Colossians 3 and 16, he's talking to the, the church in Colossae and he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You mean like not surface level. Let it dwell inside you richly, basically be filled teaching them and admonishing them one another in all wisdom. Like, this is what you start doing when, when, when you're filled with the word of God. 
It'll take forms like this, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's sort of like the same thing he's saying to the Ephesians, trying to describe it to them. You see, this isn't about a formula. That's not what he's doing. He's not giving them a formula. He is describing the fruits of a culture. It's not like we have to sing every single time we see each other. That's not what he's saying here. That will go bad in so many ways. <laughs> like people get unfriended, like don't ever talk to me again. But he's talking about the harmonious culture of this spirit-filled life that's often captured in singing. He's trying to describe something to them. Many RCs started back this week. Man, I love fellowshipping with the family. Many of the RCs started back this weekend. Man, me and my wife are so blessed to, um, to, to lead our RC and have some incredible leaders alongside with us. And then people that go to our RC is, are just, it's just so rich in the love. And I remember getting ready for, for RC, and my wife is talking about um, this song that she wants to sing during worship, or would love us to sing together. And we talk about the song, and the song just gets inside of my head, and it's like, man. And I'm just thinking about how good God is, and I just can't stop singing the song. And then we jump in the car, and I'm singing the song on the way over. Then we get to RC, and then I walk in, but I'm still singing the song. My God is so good. And I walk in, I'm singing the song, and as I'm singing the song, I'm hugging my friends, and my friends, are, they start singing the songs too. Like, this literally was going on, and we all start singing the song together, and that's how we was greeting one another. It was just the spirit was just like, oh, he's good to me. He's good to me, too. He's good to me, here. Oh, and we just, it wasn't intentional. We didn't plan that. I didn't say, okay, as soon as I walk in, I'm going to sing this song. But sometimes it should be intentional. That's why I wish more and more people was, was there when the first song starts during service. So they would be a part of the fellowship of the people singing together as one to the glory of our God. In Psalms 133 and 1, he says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The Berean Study Bible, I like how they translate this. He say, behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers live in harmony. There's something about the harmonious rhythm of the spirit that, 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 that you want to be in sync with. And sometimes when you're not in sync with the harmonious rhythm of the spirit, if you're in tune with the spirit, your spidey senses start going off. Something, something just don't feel right. The Spirit is trying to sync you up. So they come together, and they're living together, loving one another, and, and he's, he's, he's talking to them, but, but the Lord is talking to us. And one of the things about this community is that the culture, the Spirit-filled community, is marked by thankfulness. In 20, it says, Giving thanks always and for everything 
Let's look at everything and always. Giving thanks for everything, always. Let me tell you what he's not talking about when he says giving thanks for everything. He's not saying, Lord, I thank you for sin. I thank you for wickedness that happens to me. I thank you for that. He's not saying be thankful for the brokenness of the fall and thing and all the elements. That's not what he's saying here. That would contradict scripture. In Romans 12 and 9, he says, hate what is evil. But he is talking specifically about something. You see, sometimes when we break scripture up, we can forget that there are other parts that was influencing what's being said. You see, earlier on in the beginning of the, of the book, in Ephesians 1 and 3, he specifically explained some things to them that they should be thankful for when it comes to this everything and it comes to this every. He is praising God and he's modeling it for them as he enters into the scripture, into the, the letter. He said, blessed be the God in one and three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So you are thankful for every spiritual blessing, everything. I'm thankful for everything that you blessed me with, Lord. I'm thankful for everything that you've given. I thank you for everything that you bless my friends with, Lord. When are you thankful for everything? Always. Always. It's easy to be thankful when everything is going good. It's easy. But that's why he has to highlight always. Because it's not dependent upon the circumstances of life. It's not depending upon the issues. Like, like when the effects of sin and fall touches my life, I am yet still thankful, Lord, to all the things you have blessed me with. When the effects of the sin and fall is, has touched my life, when brokenness has hit, when things are holding me down, Lord, you have so richly blessed me, and I'm so thankful. People are confused. They think you're a little bit loony. But you don't know the depth of the riches the Lord has blessed me with. And then it's not defined by these temporary circumstances of life. One day fullness will happen. And I'm thankful. All right, I get it. He's bringing them together. He's bringing... I want you guys to know what it looks like to be a part of the family. And I know you guys are different. And, and, and so some logical questions may go through the mind because to tell the truth, man, listen, it's difficult just for two people to fellowship together because of the differences inside of their lives. Sometimes husband and wives argue because of issues inside of their lives that are reflections of how different they are. But you're saying all these different kinds of people come together and they live life together? Like, like, like how did this work when everyone is so different? Ah, I feel Paul is just like answering questions that aren't asked. But at the same time, if you ever thought to ask them, here's the answer. 21, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. You see, 
The culture of the Spirit-filled community is marked by humble submitting one to another. I think about Matthew 18 and 20. It says we're two or three together. He's in the midst. And I, and I remember, like, I used to hear this preached wrong, and I used to, people like, Let, let's listen. All right, there's two or three people in here, so he's in the midst. And I started to think, oh, oh, you need two or three people for him to be inside the midst. And I was a little bit bummed for the times I was by myself. What does that mean when I'm by myself? But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, like, listen, I get it. It's easy to, to feel and know the Spirit is in the place when it's all of us. But he says, but even when it's just two or three of y'all, he's in the midst. Why? Because he dwells in you and he dwells in you. So no, you are not alone. He is with you. Even if it's just a couple of you guys, he is in the midst. So in the midst of the differences and, and the diversities and everything else, it's like, I don't care where you come from. Since he is in the midst and he is the, 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 the essence of the fellowship and the community, like, whatever you is, you're linked, sinking in with him. And you're sinking in with him. And you're sinking in with him. And you're sinking in with him. And at times, what he does is he serves you through her. And he serves him through him. So we have to submit one to another because of the spirit of God that's dwelling inside of each other and he creates this interdependence that's rooted in the spirit. Ah, that's how they're going to do it. Blessed to be a blessing. He gives gifts to give to each other. Edifying the body. Mutually submitting one to another out of reverence to Christ. Let me humble myself. It's not even about you. It's about him. That's the reason why you could check me on something that on the inside, I feel like just checking you back just because you checked me. But I humbly submit one to another. And Lord, may, may have you up in the middle of the night. And you're like, why am I up in the middle of the night? And you try to fill the space. You turn the TV on. You go eat some food. And he's like, if you would have just gave me some space, I would have told you to pray for your sister. She's going through something right now. But you didn't get that. You filled the space and you went back to bed. He's, he's speaking. What does it live look like to live into this? He's refamilying us. This is what a family really looks like. Even if you say, man, I had a really, really good family. If it wasn't a family where everybody was submitting to the spirit of God and humbly submitting to one another because of the spirit of God of living inside one another, you need to be refamily so you understand what real family looks like. It centers around the spirit of God. Then my, my, my little one can say something to me that my pride doesn't dismiss. He rehumanizing us. We have no idea what it means to be a human. And we've just been adding things and filling in the blanks. 
to be a human means to be fully submitted to me. And I will teach you what humanity looks like. I created it. Hmm. Unity. Harmony. You see, the cultures that the Lord had placed us amongst and called us to be a mission or light to, yeah, that's what he's done, and that's why we're here. He was really intentional about placing us amongst other cultures to be missional lights to cities on a hill. But most of these cultures would not typically use words like harmony and unity to describe the culture of the church. They would use other words. I used other words. Why, 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 Wayne? Why is it important to the conversation that he's having with them to talk about this regarding understanding the will of God? You see, yes, the Spirit of God leads you to understand the will of God, but the Spirit of God would always lead you to Scripture. He'll never lead you to something outside of Scripture. Like, man, the Lord just putting on my heart to do this. And you're like, I don't see where you're connecting that with Scripture. No, he confirms himself. See, Paul isn't trying to be mysterious here. He's already explained to them the will of God. Again, we don't want to get disconnected from the things that are happening. Earlier on in chapter 1, I think it's 9 to 10, he says, Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. So, So you can't get tired of the conversation of unity in the church. Because the moment you do that, you're saying, I'm getting tired of talking about his will. Last week, Pastor Aaron was preaching. He talked about living in the light. Knowing that the Spirit of God has covered us. And he calls us to something weighty. And, and, and yes, it's hard. I want to agree, it's hard. Some of them, that's just too hard. Yeah, it is too hard for you, but not for him. It was never meant for you to do it in your own strength. It was never meant for you to do it yourself. It was meant for you to be in a position where you constantly have to depend on him for it to work. And he would be the thing that solidifies and unifies and draws together because you are so dependent upon him in the hard stuff and the easy stuff. We are covered by by his blood and filled with the spirit. There's nothing, nothing, no sin, no dysfunction that the Spirit of God cannot cover with the blood of Jesus. Nothing. And there is nothing that the Father will call you into that the filling of the Spirit of Christ inside of you cannot accomplish. 
even unity. There's nothing. Today, the hope is to encourage us as a body of believers united by the Spirit of God that is victoriously walking in the Spirit. As we get ready to close this out, we go to communion. Here's some of the things I want to encourage you to do. I want you to make space for the Spirit. Make some space. Lord, speak. Speak to my heart. Make some space. Hear what he's, what he's saying. He may tell you to pray for somebody. He may tell you to lift somebody up. Be obedient. He may draw you to your knees. You may need to repent for being so filled with everything else that you don't hear him. You may need to repent for hearing him and just not being obedient because I just don't feel it. Follow the Spirit. Listen, every single Sunday we come together for communion because the Lord set that table up. The bread represents his body that was given for us and the cup represents his blood that, that flows for us and his family. His family, those that call themselves his, that, that bear his name, they would, they would come together and they would break bread with one another and they would suffer the bread and the juice thinking about what the Lord did for his family to make it possible to have everything that's, everything that's talked about today. Everything that Paul is talking about inside this text and going through the books of Ephesians is to these ends. And the Lord calls us in as family. And if, and if you're, you're not a part of the family because this is just for the family, man, and you're saying, but I want in. I've, I've been hanging out for a while, but I, I, I want in. I'd love to meet you over there and introduce you to the fam. We probably just want some prayer. But whatever it is, I implore you, make space for the Spirit. Then come to the table, break bread with one another, with yourself, with your family. And then let's worship our wonderful God together. As we go to him, man, the tables are open. Let's worship our king. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.